Welcome to the Young Crones Cafe, where you can get a magic brew full of all sorts of information, both witchy and practical. Grab a cup of coffee and join us. I'm Elizabeth, a wordsmith. And I'm Dave, a modern-day sage. We are going to talk about various witchcraft and life topics from a slightly more mature perspective, at least most of the time. Thanks for joining us. Today's metaphysical kernel of thought is concept of the liminal. Liminal spaces are those that occupy a position at or on both sides of a boundary at the same time. They are the betwixt and between places where the world of the magical and the world of the mundane meet and mingle continuously. For most people, they are barely perceptible unless they stumble across one by accident. Witches, however, tend to seek out these places to practice ritual, work magic, and commune with the energies of the universe. For us, they are the forgotten places of power that pop up unexpectedly around us. Old stories of heroes talk about them stepping across a threshold into another world and meeting with strangers who gave them messages from the gods. Historically, witches were said to meet down at the crossroads. It is also a place where mortals traditionally met up with strange messengers and weird events. The hedge was the boundary between the safety of a village and the unknown world of the forest and beyond outside. However, a hedge is not solid. There are spaces in between where the other can leak through. There were those who chose to live beside a hedge or even outside of the boundaries. These were often the healers of a village and were perceived somehow as not being completely part of the group or other. Liminal places are also connected with changes in time as well. Dusk or twilight and the coming of dawn are moments when time seems to pause and take a breath before plunging into the night or into the start of another day. Sitting with those energies, you can sense the possibilities of the beginnings of change they can provide for your spiritual growth and development. Finding these liminal places in the modern world may seem like a daunting task. We often live in urban environments surrounded by glass and steel and concrete that seem to disconnect us from these types of spaces. However, when we actively quest for the energetic connections of the universe, they will start to appear around us. It is up to us to learn through developing an awareness of the energies of magic to begin to perceive them. Part of working ritual is developing the skill to shift our perception from the mundane to the magical and back again. This skill also works in the everyday world when we remember that magic is always an option. We become immersed in the liminal and learn to walk with this awareness in every area of our lives. A liminal space reminds us that change is always possible, that we have both magical and mundane options to rely on to manage life. Each of us experiences the energy of these places differently. You may get a little tingle or experience a much bigger jolt or feel really uncomfortable until you get used to it. Those of us on the path like to think of them as meeting points between the magical and the mundane, which allow us better access to both sides. Good evening, Dave. Hi, Elizabeth, how are you? Home. <laughs> yeah, congratulations, that's right. This is our, uh, this is our first time where we're both in our new old home offices. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Yes, and thank you for coming and setting up the computer system so that we can record with a camera that works the right way. Well, and we can see each other, absolutely. Oh, yeah, it's great. And then, Speaking gradually- of which, one of these days I'm going to have to talk you into, you know, on getting started with our YouTube channel. 
Um, one of these days, I'm going to have to talk you into sitting down with me for a few minutes and we'll do a little live intro and have that be our, our first content that we put up there. So I like um, that now, idea. now that I've said it on the air, I get to hold you to it. Yes, you can, because I'm committed. Once I say it out loud, that's kind of my personal. So won't it be, baby. So more, yeah, pretty much, exactly. But in the meantime, tonight we're going to talk about Bum Bum Ching, another one of our beliefs, as it were, foundations of our practice, is the concept of the liminal. Yeah, this is fascinating to me because it's the gray zone or kind of inside the hedge mm -hmm. is the way I visualize it. Those betwixt and between places. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't have to be a physical place, even though the way we write this particular topic is you focus on places and times where you start to grasp the idea and feel the feeling of, I am poised in between the magical and mundane, and they're all around me. Yeah, and I actually, I kind of see two separate ways here. I mean, part of me has been trying to live in 100% this liminal space between, or from my point of view, it's been including both the magical and the mundane, and instead of an either or, I've been trying to combine them and live in that. Um, so there's part of that experiential liminal that I'm trying to use as an ideal or, or a, a way that I'm trying to live. Um, and of course, none of us are perfect, but this is this is something that I am working on myself. Mm -hmm. But also, separate from that, I do know, and this is what I wanted to, to ask you more about, is I know that there are places where before I knew to recognize it and call it magic or call it a liminal or a portal, or a, a sacred place. I've had experiences my whole life where I have been at a place and thought there is something special about this place. Mm -hmm. Or what what frequently happens to me is there's actually a spot fairly close by here on the river where if I stand in a particular area, I hear Native American drums. Oh, sure. And I know that there were villages on the banks of this river for hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years. So I know there is a place there that is so charged that when I read this, this uh, that we were going to talk about liminal, that was the first place that popped into my mind. Mm -hmm. So. I guess for me, there's two different aspects in that I'm trying to live my life in that liminal frame of mind where I am a part of both. And that's why I mentioned seeing from inside the hedge, so to speak. But also, yeah, there are magical places that I just assume are charged from previous souls that were there. Um, and that's presumptive on my part, but that's that's just simply the way I've always identified is there are old souls here. Kind of yeah, place. and for me, it has also been places where the elements seem to touch more. I can just, it's like I can go sit on the shore of Lake Ontario. 
Okay. And connect with the water and that endless horizon kind of effect that you get there. <laughs> no buildings in the way. And, and I feel very connected there in a lot of ways. And sometimes it's on a street corner. When you think about it, it's, sure. this is the unexpectedness of a liminal spot. It's almost like we're sitting in the mundane and the magic like pokes through and taps you to get your attention. Sure. At times. To resist a reminder. You know, it, it, like you're talking about living in the ideal, and there are days when, regardless of whatever ideals we have, the sure. wins or the magical wins. It's and so it, funny that you mentioned the horizon to me because one of the notes that I took that I was going to get along to is, you know, I spent years in the Navy, mm -hmm. and and being being an engineer and being an engine room type, ninety nine percent of that time was inside the ship. 90% of it was down below the waterline in engine rooms or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we used to jokingly talk about, you know, getting your fresh air kit and going up and getting 30 minutes of fresh air a day um, just to look at the sky and, and focus on something visually that's more than 60 feet from you. Yes. Um, and look at the sky, of course. and. Mm -hmm. I, for for anyone who has never been to see the the sky out in the middle of the ocean is just a spiritual experience just to look up anyway at night. Um, but I was I was making a note here about the, one of those magical places for me during that entire block of my life was that when I would go up outside the ship and stand in a particular spot, and that's what I would do is I would look at that horizon mm -hmm. you know and now sue and i used to go up and, and sit at the beach and we would call it big water time mm -hmm. because at that spot right there you have you know especially if you can build a little fire or light a candle or even have a, a fire-based stone or crystal or something with you to have representation then you have all of your elementals right there Oh, please, yes. You know, we're lucky to live next to or near to one of the Great Lakes, as they're called. And I think, too, it's an expansion of place to periods of time. Sue and I always valued, and I still do value, that moment before dawn or that start of that twilight where the sun's set, but it isn't really dark yet that twilight time. To me, those are very liminal times. And you can translate <laughs> into a place if you want to, in that respect. I'm, I'm, I'm chuckling because I didn't have anything that I identified with that with until you just said it. And for me, there was a magical time my whole life. But like a lot of us from our generation, when I was growing up in a small town, when the street lights came on, that's when it was time to time get your home. home. Yes. And so there was that magical time, and I still notice it, where one of the street lights on my block will come on, but the other two or three haven't yet. Yes. And that gap, while they're all kind of coming on together, is that magical time, because that was the time that I would be on my bike, Settling my little butt home, and to me, that was flying. 
There you go. If that's not a perfect description of a woman or place. Absolutely. That time was just sacred and precious. From the moment the first light came on, I knew I had about yay long. But during that ride, I could do anything. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's the feeling of the liminal. That's that's it. That feeling that you get with infinite possibility that you can do anything. There's when you're touching the magical and the mundane at the same time. Yeah, I, I I have to kind of laugh at myself here as I glance to my right and look at my drum set, and, and it just dawned on me, yeah, yeah, okay, pretty much three songs into any list of stuff that I'm going to play, the house could be on fire, and I wouldn't know it, because I'm not here. No. I, I'm in my drums, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That, that's a, a liminal and a very visceral thing for me as well, too, yep. Mm-hmm. Well, think about it. You're, you're, it's, it's the perfect combination of physical, the mundane and the magical at that point. Sure. It's physically, you're moving and playing the drums, but you're creating music, which is magic. Well, and, and every phrase is a possibility. How do I want to approach this or what am I going to do with this? Absolutely. Yeah. That's So that's, that's the liminal. I had... I have not made the connection between this concept of liminal and music, but that was everything just sort of clicked into place for me now because yeah, when you're when you're having a good night on guitar. That's that's liminal. Yeah, absolutely. Or when you're caught up in writing or drawing or doing anything that feeds your soul like that. Sure. You know, sure, and, absolutely. And I'm going to. I can hear listeners now, but I can't play a guitar. I don't do that. But what do you do that brings you that feeling of joy? Well, and I I joke with people about mowing my lawn, and I I literally consider it a walking meditation. Mm-hmm. And when I go out there, that's that's one of the things I love about having an electric mower is because it has a finite battery, and so I go out and do a battery swerve, and then I let it charge, and. I miss doing it, you know. It's it's part of my meditation routine, and so I've I've realized that, yeah, that's a liminal experience to me. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's. I mean, the what Something we wrote it. Yep. Yeah. Well, when you, we wrote about it, you have to start somewhere with sure. your ideas about the liminal, which is why we suggested places and times, because then you know what it feels like. And it's right. basic, and then you can expand on it. You can replicate that electrochemistry in your brain, certainly. And and you have created an ideal for yourself as a person, how you want to live balanced between, for want of a better word. Magical right. and all at the same time, and it's, that's your ideal. And yes, we're not perfect, and that's why we call it walking the hedge as those of us sure. on the path with the idea that, you know, people talk about walking the hedge and you pictured walking next to the hedge. No, for us, it was always, we're kind of on top and balanced. And well, I had always been on top, but recently I've been trying to swim down inside it. Yeah, exactly. It's the same idea, though. You know, and the more you immerse yourself in the liminal and the concept of the liminal, the more you realize you need both the magical and the mundane. Sure. Sure. I think for me, the difference has been 
if we if we follow along with the same um, imagery that we're talking about mm -hmm. is when I am walking on top of the hedge, I am less aware of the thickness and lushness of the hedge and more aware of the boundary between A and B. Whereas from down inside the hedge, visually I'm getting peaks of A through the hedge and peaks of B through the hedge, which sort of helps visually remind me that I am in the hedge. Makes sense. And, and getting glimpse of both while trying to be connected to both. Mm -hmm. Which is and it's just all it's all a visual model, but oh, sure. um, and the, the, the concept might identify with somebody. The hedge is a great analogy too, because it's porous. Right, exactly, exactly. I, I'm sort of trying to um, imagine myself as a moth or a hummingbird and sort of weaving my way through the innards of the hedge and glimpsing the world of the mundane and the world of the magical from within, for me, what is becoming sort of a safe calming influence when I feel like I'm in that hedge. Yeah. And, and having that liminal creates that feeling, I think, and allows you to work at wanting to be in the hedge. Well, and I'm so much more more mindful of where my mind is from moment to moment and realizing when I'm or trying to realize when I'm thinking in two terms too mundane or when I'm thinking things that are a little bit too whimsical or too magical or too wishful and, and not concrete. So well, sure. um, here again, everything about the path is about balance. Well, sure it is. You know, it's easy to get caught up in one or the other. And having the yeah, the concept of the liminal to remind you that you can have both at once. Right, right, absolutely. And you don't have to pick. Like today I'm yeah, going to from, can be immersed in the paperwork and be mundane. And Saturday night is ritual, so I'm going to be immersed in the magical. It's more about finding that blend, which is I right. think what your mindset is working towards. That's what I'm. That's what I'm trying to live anyway. I, every time I catch myself being mundane, I try to remind myself to have some magic in it. And every time I find myself daydreaming all magical, I try to remind myself to have some mundane in it. And that is usually a good time to have a glass of water and do yourself a little bit back. Yeah, but it's, it's the same idea. You know, it's it's about yeah. Everything is balanced. And, yep. and before we go, and this is a good place to talk, we're going to remind people that balance is an ideal. If sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah. The world the, crazy. the world is wonderful when you are perfectly balanced on top of the ball. Yeah. But coming from someone who spent the first half of his life not reaching out to people because I'll, I'll, I'll call when I've got my stuff together. Yeah. Now it's what we shoot for. It's not what we're expected to actually live. No, no, but it's sure fun trying at times. Absolutely. You know, and finding different ways to discover how wildly we're out of balance sometimes too. That's the beauty of being human beings. I think so. So with that being said, may you find mirth and reverence in all things. Be safe, be kind.
and be loved. While we've been having discussions around what we call our metaphysical kernels of thought, which are the whys that form the basics of our beliefs on the path, we recently realized that we could also share about our practices as well. These are the hows and whats that we, as practitioners on the path, actually do in our own lives. So we're calling this new segment Practices of the Path. So, this segment will be about everything from the various tools that we work with, as well as those we don't and why, to the solar and lunar cycles, herbs we use, crystals and stones that we work with, candles, incenses, oh my, and anything else we come up with that can give an understanding of what we personally do with our magical practices. Now, last week, we talked about altars, so this week, we are going to actually start talking about the tools of the craft that we use and I probably know. along the way, some of the ones we don't use, but are common. I need to backtrack for just a second, only because you were reminding me about last weekend talking about altars. And for some reason, I had the vision of a tree stump hey. um, out in the middle of the woods, you know, a, a broken down tree. So anyway, um, that's a maze. There we go. Yeah. Okay, yes. That's what we're talking about tonight. That dun, 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 sacred knife. Now, according to Merriam Webster, and I'm a big dictionary freak, the official definition it is usually a black handled double edged dagger that is used in some neo pagan and Wiccan rituals. And that would be the counterpoint to the bowling, which is the curved white handled for cutting herbs and whatnot. Exactly. My tradition. My tradition, yes. And we're not necessarily as traditional, but for us on the path, an FMA is anything you can use to direct energy with. I like that. I like that because I at least in my own practice, I tend to consider an athame a prop that I use for energy and ritual directing of energies. Yeah. So, I mean, at, at the at the root thing, I think here a couple of weeks ago, I did a thing about pointing your finger and you, know, you could use a finger as an athame. Um, I do have a uh, traditional one, and we're going to talk about going through them, but any, at the end of the day, anything that you can use to direct energy should be able to be used as an anime. Yes, and I like you, your use of the word prop, which I think we need to talk about for a second in terms of any and all tools. Sue and I had done a long time ago, a lot, there was a podcaster originally named Peter Pat. And he always used to claim that if you couldn't raise energy naked in a bomb shelter somewhere, you weren't doing it right. Right. So tools of all sorts and all of the other accoutrements that we're going to talk about at some point or another are props. They are those mental cues and things, touchstones and things that we use as a way to remind our brain that this is what we're doing. Well, and from one of my point of view, and I've talked about this with people before, is if we have evolved in a way such that we, and I know you you um, 
aren't able to visualize. I can't think of the name of that right now, but Aphantasia. Um, <laughs> The vast majority of us have such a visual thing that, you know, like people talk about smudging and, you know, the smoke from a sage stick is really symbolic, something for our eyes to see because that assists us in seeing and feeling like we're doing something and we buy into our own magic because we have that visual signal or feedback and that that that's exactly what i'm saying about anathema is as long as it's a symbol that works for me to direct energy with i don't necessarily need to be choosy about what i'm using no you don't have to have a black handed handled black handled double edged dagger <laughs> now, for the record i do have a traditional double edged although mine is a wooden handle just because of my own kind of nativist preferences or whatnot and yeah that one doesn't really have an edge and it has a little bit of burn marks at the end where either I've discharged energy too much without grounding it, or maybe it's seen a candle's flame once or thrice. Anything is possible, but the whole idea is the, the symbolism is the directing of energy. Now, on right. the path, we will often generate a, when we're doing ritual, we will often do what is quote-unquote called circle cast for want of a better phrase but what we're really doing is creating a bubble to contain energy that we will then release at the end right as yep. opposed to using it to create a sacred space to keep things out which i think is sure yeah you guys you guys have always created an energy bubble and then released that ultimately with your intentions yeah mm -hmm. i've seen that in your practice and i'm the same way yeah exactly so and and sometimes it's and you can also use an fma as a directional thing if you are charging an object you can raise the energy and then point the fma or touch the fma yep. to the object and it's kind of almost like an orchestra conductor with his baton absolutely absolutely yes. analogy pointing here the strings should be louder or the faster you move or whatever and just like i was talking about the other day you know we're unleashing the power of gesture there absolutely mm -hmm. now same. what uh while we're while we're talking about our sacred prop ritual projecting energy directing knife let's mm -hmm. also address that I always have a pocket knife or a razor knife or something for cutting things up or herbs or whatever while I'm making incense or if I'm doing some sort of a working where I need candle shavings or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I do, here again, when I'm able, which means when I'm home and have all of my stuff and whatnot, I do like the distinction of having a working knife separate from my athame. You know, that's not to say if I'm out working on a tree stump, I'm not going to use my pocket knife for everything. But then again, I might find a pretty rock and use that as my athame and use my pocket knife as my working knife. I do like holding that distinction between the the sacred and the mundane. I think I think you, you put it really well. The whole idea of it being having a sacred purpose. And yep. keep it special for that. I mean, 
yes, a bowling or a working knife is fine, but I am not going out and spend, I don't know how much for one of these fancy sickle looking things with the white handle when I can easily grab a sacred paring knife to cut the herbs. <laughs> you know, well, and, that's, and that's a distinction I think we need to mention is expensive is not necessarily better when it comes no. to any tools. No, absolutely not. The pocket knife that I carry is sharp enough to cut anything. My athame is not sharp enough to cut more than maybe a soft peach. <laughs> or occasionally a candle wick in a, in a pinch. But yeah, no, but that's the whole point of it is when it comes right down to it, tools are, if you look at the definition of a tool, it's a device that you use to do work. And in this case, the work is your magic or your Absolutely. ritual. So why not use what makes sense to you? Well, and when we were when we were getting ready to talk about this, I happened to grab from my crystal connection collection. Um, this is obviously radio, but I'll describe it. It's a titanium coated or a rainbow black obsidian mini tower, about three inches or seven or eight centimeters tall, and uh, it's got a very sharp point on it. It's very symmetrical and hexagonal. And what you end up getting is a very, very, very nice aura flare off the tip of it where you can see just naturally the energy in the room is gathered to it anyway. And so I've used pointed or small power crystals as long as you can hold them in your hand steady enough. Um, use that as an athame as well. Here again, it's a, it's a very powerful energy projector. Yeah, and, and like I like you said, it's all a matter of personal choice. Sure. And sometimes you could think in terms of I want to direct energy, and what kind of energy am I directing? Sure, sure, absolutely. <laughs> well, and there's a lot of people that don't necessarily work with the idea of a of needing a point for the gesture. I know a lot of folks that will will wrap their energy or develop their packet of energy into a ball and then mm -hmm. send the ball off. So, you know, in that particular case, really it's your hands, I guess, that are doing the gesture. Yeah, and why couldn't your whole hand be an estimate at that point? If you're directing energy, you have to sure. be throwing your ball somewhere. I mean, the conductor <laughs> drops his baton every once in a while and has to just wave his hands. Exactly. So that's the whole idea of directing energy at its focus. And we'll mention just briefly, Hathamese often correspond with the East and ideas and thoughts. And isn't that the basis of magic itself? I I think of the athame as an aha moment yeah, exactly. in, a, in a spiritual way. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Or a Shazam moment if you're pointing it. Well, there you go. So that seems like a good place to just quietly fade up into the night and see if you can figure out how many different things you could use or choose to use as an estimate depending on what you're doing. Before we go, we would like to present you with a tip or trick or witchy hint. Just something to make your day go better because we live in a mixture of the magical and the mundane. Today's tip, trick, or witchy hint is not surprisingly about home blessings. <laughs> we are finally home again after being displaced for a very long time by a house fire, and the house is basically new from the inside out. Now, traditionally, 
a home blessing was done when someone moves into a new place as they went to welcome them to their home. It was usually done with the help of friends and family who brought items into the home and proclaimed the blessing each was supposed to represent. If you are moving into a new place, starting out with a home blessing can make the move-in process easier, especially if you have the help of family and friends to get it done. However, it is just as appropriate to bring each item in yourself if you are not comfortable asking others to participate with you, especially those of us who have to stay in the broom closet. Also, there is nothing to keep you performing it for home where you've been living for a while or periodically to re-bless your personal space. A home blessing is just meant to, um, for want of a better word, reset the energy of a place if it's somewhere you've been living for a while or if it's somewhere new you're moving into where others have lived before. Here are some examples of items you could bring into the house. A new broom. Could say I bring this new broom to rid the space of any lingering energies. Then you can use the broom to sweep from the front door through the house and out the back door to get rid of any lingering energy that's hanging around from other people or just from the past. Bring in a loaf of bread and say I bring this loaf of bread so that all who live here will never go hungry. You can break off and eat a small piece of the loaf and feel free to share it if others are present. Salt. Salt is traditionally associated with protection, and many people bring or place a circle of salt around their working area for some reason. It's never good if you're outside on grass because it's not good for the environment, but say, I bring this salt so that my life will have flavor in it, and place a tiny amount of salt on your tongue to seal the deal. By flavor, we mean all different sorts of new and exciting experiences, adventures, or just to bring a boost to what you normally do. Water. Bring in some water and say, I bring this water so that all who live here will never thirst and drink some of it. It is a reminder that we are connected to the energy of life itself and without water, we would not survive. Bring in a little sugar. I bring this sugar so that my life will have sweetness and joy in it, is what you can say. Think about it. This could be in the form of cookies, a pie, a cake, or any other baked goods you enjoy. And eat some and be sure to share it with everyone else that people are helping you move. Not only will it give them that burst of energy to finish the process, but it makes it better to share things with others. And a few coins. Those bright, shiny pennies that we end up with, or new quarters, new dimes, doesn't matter and say, I bring these coins to encourage prosperity and abundance in this home. Place them around your house as a reminder when you see them that you will have what you need. In addition, many people choose to take some sort of incense and go from room to room and waft the smoke around. It's important if you're doing this to get all the corners and make sure you have the windows open so you don't set off smoke detectors. And if you're moving in with others, make sure nobody's allergic to the particular scent that you'd like to use. Now, I did a combination of these things recently last week when we moved into my home. And we were all that when we were finished, I lit a small candle and let it burn as a reminder that my internal spark of the divine is within me, is part of my home place, and is yet another space where I can reach out to connect with the external divine of the universe. 
However you choose to bless your home, whether you say some sort of prayer or chant or whatever, the idea is you are kind of resetting the energy and establishing a connection with your personal house space. Some people call these house spirits, other people call it genus loci or a spirit of place, but it becomes your place when you give it that blessing. So if you are moving into a new place soon, you might want to plan some sort of home blessing, quote unquote, ritual or mini ritual as we like to call them. Or if you've been living in your space for a while, it's a good idea to re-bless the space as it were. And especially sweeping through the house with that new broom and getting rid of any lingering energies from old magics or disagreements with people you live with, or just to make the space feel less stagnant. Well, it looks like the coffee cups are empty for this week. We hope you join us again next Tuesday, but you can find us at our website, twoyoungcrones.com. That's the number two, Young Crones. We'd love to have you join our growing online Discord community. Check out our new Patreon presence. Just look for Young Crones Cafe. Through Patreon, you'll be able to make it to our Discord. We are also Young Crones Cafe on Twitter and Facebook. Until then, remember, we are witches who work with energies to affect change. We are believers in both imminent and transcendent divine. We are celebrants of the passage of the solar and lunar cycles. We are hedge walkers who pass back and forth between the worlds of the magical and the mundane. We are seekers of knowledge. And we are walkers of a spiritual tradition we call the path. So mote it be. So mote it be.